This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. The UK has voted to leave the European Union. It was a shocking result to pollsters, British onlookers, and market investors, but not to Conrad Black or a Zoomer group called Silver Surfers. We'll get those takes in a moment. Plus, this week Toronto's police chief made an historic apology for the infamous raids on gay bathhouses in 1981. We'll speak with Ron Roseness, who was there, and arrested, and convicted. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The federal government and the majority of the country's finance ministers have agreed to a deal in principle on changes to the Canada Pension Plan. It means an increase in CPP benefits by about a third, while changes to premiums won't change until 2019. It's something CARP and Zoomers have been pushing for even though they won't benefit. The plan is for their children and grandchildren and won't be fully implemented until 2025. A new Canadian Medical Association journal study once again demonstrates, as we've been reporting here, how older Canadians are being overprescribed or inappropriately given medicines. The study out of the University of British Columbia is calling for a national prescription strategy to protect Zoomers. The author says the effects of many medications can be altered by physiological changes associated with aging, and he claims dealing with inappropriate prescriptions costs the country nearly $2 billion a year. The city of Edmonton is looking into developing a long-term care facility specifically for those who are LGBTQ in light of reports of some Zoomers choosing to hide their sexual identity to protect themselves from bullying. Edmonton City Council is asking for a staff report on the issue by 2017. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The UK has voted in favor of leaving the European Union. British Prime Minister David Cameron has resigned, and pollsters were unequivocally wrong in predicting this outcome. But our next two guests predicted it. Here is author and commentator Conrad Black, who also hosts the Zoomer on our sister station, Vision TV. He's been a member of the British House of Lords for 15 years. I predicted it. I thought the the Leavers would win. I thought it would be close, and it was, but I thought they would win. It had to be made clear that Europe could not go on as it is. Judicial decisions from the highest courts in the United Kingdom can be revoked by the European Court of Justice by completely different criteria to those that have arisen in the jurisprudence of Great Britain. And and the authorities in Brussels can regulate the lives of practically 
every business person, even small businesses in all respects. And it, it grated and irritated uh, in Britain. And the politicians didn't listen. And they paid a price for it. And they're out. And the Thatcherites are back. What do you say to people who argue that this vote is really an expression of racism and far-right politics? Complete rubbish. Not one jot of truth in it. There is not one percent of the British population that are skinheads, you know, that are really like to beat up foreigners and hate all foreigners. Uh, there was no trace of that in the conduct of the, uh, of the Leave side. Uh, that isn't what this was a vote for. This was a vote of concern about um, the implications of, of immigration creating unemployment in Britain. And even more so, it was a rejection of a governmental system that was too un-British for the British to put up with it. And the, the argument was, how do we get out from under Brussels telling us uh, how to stack bananas in grocery stores and, and, and absurd things like that? That was Conrad Black on the Brexit vote. The Leavers won 52% to 48%. But the vote was also deeply divided on demographic lines, with Zoomers wanting to leave and younger people wanting to remain. According to a YouGov poll, 58% of those 65-plus wanted to leave the EU, and 49% of baby boomers aged 50 to 64 voted the same way. By contrast, 64% of young people under 24 wanted to stay in the union. One group in England, the Silver Surfers, predicted that the Zoomer demographic would vote this way long before the first vote was cast. I talked with the organization's CEO, Martin Locke. What is your reaction to the results? Well, I think, I think to be quite frank, it's the same as most Brits. It's quite shocker, actually. Because um, yesterday, all the pundits, the city, all the media here, right up to 10 o'clock at night, when voting stopped, were saying that it was a, um, a definite that we were going to stay in. And then I actually woke up at 4 o'clock this morning, turned on the TV because it was live all night, and shock horror, we're suddenly leaving. So it's the exact opposite of what everyone thought yesterday. And so I think there's been a sort of stunned reaction here in the UK. What is really striking to me is the demographic split. So the older people in Britain, what we here in Canada call Zoomers, voted overwhelmingly to leave and younger people wanted to remain. Well, that's what we predicted, Libby, some time ago. In the first poll, it was interesting, about 66% of our members voted to leave. And we had a, a, a you know, there were quite big polls as well. Over 6,000 people voted in 24 hours. So that was interesting. We got into the national press um, on quite a few occasions on, on that. The media here was very interested in that. And then as various polls uh, took place around the UK, it did seem there was an age split and younger people were for staying into the EU and older people for leaving it. And why is that? There were a number of um, issues that we identified with our members. The first one was about immigration controls because there has been basically unfettered immigration into the UK from the EU. Uh, just as you probably know, that's one of the conditions for being in the EU. 
Um, the second one was interference from Brussels and uh, the bureaucracy there. Um, the third one was about national security and possible terrorism threats. Do you think that this is creating a big gap, a big rift between the generations? No, I don't think so. But I think that um, it's it certainly opened up an awful lot of debate in society here in the UK. And it's been dominating the news for about the past two months, almost reaching a crescendo in the last two weeks in all, in all the media. But as I say, I think that there is definitely a difference of opinion. That was Silver Surfer CEO Martin Locke on the Brexit result. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, we'll speak with Ron Roseness about an apology that was a long time coming and healthcare specific to the LGBTQ community. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. This past week, an historic apology from Toronto Police Chief Mark Saunders over raids on gay bathhouses in 1981. 300 men were arrested and charged, although most of the charges were later dropped. Ron Rosness was one of the few convicted of charges in the raids, and he joins me on the line. I think we heard clearly from the chief of police that uh, they know they have to do better working with members of the LGBT community as they do with many other uh, vulnerable people in our city. We were all listening for what might change in terms of police tactics or, and, and police procedures and so on. So one of the things we heard most clearly is that um, they are planning gender-neutral washrooms at uh, police headquarters and that they are planning also to conduct a sensitivity training for police officers around issues related to transgender people. And I think that's all a good step forward, but there remains a lot more to do. What issues would you say you still have with police? I think that the police continue in many ways to, um, you know, they need to understand what, what puts certain communities at risk and why it's important for us to have safe spaces. And I think, you know, today we're fairly safe in the bars and, uh, and fairly and safe in the bathhouses and so on uh, in terms of, you know, being prosecuted. I think we're still a little less safe on the streets. What yeah. issues are there for an LGBT person or LGBT people as they age? In the cases where relationships are, are very established and it's easy to identify the partner, I think for a lot of LGBT people, there's a greater chance that they're going to be socially isolated and they may fear that they actually don't know uh, who there is in their life to, to speak for them. So I think that's one issue. There is also, I think, an issue about people worrying about where they can go if they need to for long-term care, where they can feel accepted as, a, as an LGBT person, because we really don't have many places yet where LGBT people are understood and, and, and going to be accepted uh, in, in sort of what I would call the general population. So a part of some of the groups I'm working with currently are doing interesting work in this area. We know that people with HIV-AIDS are living longer and better, but what are the issues that they are facing as they age? 
Um, I'm a person who's been living long-term uh, with HIV, and I have very good health care and so on. But people with HIV, many of whom are also in the LGBT community, are facing different challenges in terms of more multimorbidity as they age and greater challenges as well in terms of social isolation and the challenge of finding residences, uh, seniors' homes, and other long-term care facilities that are going to be accepting of them both in terms of their uh, orientation and in terms of their specific health issues. Even though HIV is well-treated, um, if for most people who are on today's medications, uh, that the virus is still present uh, in the body, albeit at a very low level. And we usually talk about an undetectable viral load, which means that the amount of virus in the body is too low to pass on to another person. But it doesn't mean there's no virus left in the, in the individual's body. And it is speculated that as a result... Um, the immune system is constantly activated because there's a very tiny amount of virus. And there's also been some damage done, for example, in the intestinal tract, which makes uh, it possible for bacteria to uh, leak out and um, cause another reason for the immune system to be on alert, if you will. So it's speculated that this lies at the heart of our seeing uh, more kidney problems, more bone problems, more cardiovascular disease, uh, earlier cognitive decline, a host of problems that seem to impact people with HIV as they age. We're studying it now. We're learning a lot more about it. There's still a lot we don't know, but we are um, facing additional challenges. And frankly, those are often compounded by higher prevalence rates of depression, of smoking, and uh, other types of you know, psychological as well as social and structural challenges. Are there any positive developments that you see now? There are. I think there are. Um, there, you know, uh, we're, we're working right now with some senior centers and with some long-term care centers to really educate people around the needs of LGBT uh, uh, um, Zoomers. And, um, there, and we're getting a terrific response. So I think we're beginning to pave the way in terms of um, being able to provide both care and services that I think will be more accommodating, more receptive, and that will, in fact, improve over time. Okay. Ron Rosness, thanks so much. Anytime. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. That was Ron Rosness, an LGBTQ health advocate and one of the men convicted in the gay bathhouse raids of 1981. A happy birthday to another Zoomer musician this week. More on Mick Fleetwood after the break. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Bob Comsick. In Cambridge, Massachusetts, dissident Chinese artist Ai Weiwei's much-loved trees have been installed at the Hong Gallery at Downing College as part of an exhibition that focuses on two popular series of works, trees and cubes. 
The Tate Modern Extension is now open in London. Director Nicholas Sirota says the 12-year expansion added 60% more gallery space in the form of a 10-story twisted pyramid. Those spaces will again generate spaces unlike any other museum in the world. The Switch House edition offers more work from international and female artists who are generally underrepresented in museum collections. And in Oslo, for the first time ever, the Japanese influence on Nordic art and design is being celebrated at the Norwegian National Gallery. Works by leading Nordic artists are hanging alongside works by European pioneers like Monet, Gauguin, and Van Gogh. I'm Bob Komsik with the International Arts Datebook. This weekend, Mick Fleetwood, the drummer and one half of the namesake of the band Fleetwood Mac, is celebrating his 69th birthday. He formed the group in 1967 along with bassist John McVie and guitarist Peter Green. Since then, Fleetwood Mac has gone through turmoil and a number of changes as various band members have come and gone. The most famous Fleetwood Mac lineup came around in 1975 when Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham joined the existing group of Mick Fleetwood, John McVie, and Christine McVie. Together, they recorded their eponymous album, Fleetwood Mac, and then quickly followed it up with the seminal album, Rumors. Rumors is Fleetwood Mac's most successful release, along with winning the Grammy Award for Album of the Year in 1978. The record has sold over 40 million copies worldwide, making it one of the best-selling albums of all time. From Rumors, here is Don't Stop. That was Fleetwood Mac with Don't Stop. Drummer Mick Fleetwood is celebrating his 69th birthday this weekend. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week when we tell you how big data was used to predict pancreatic cancer. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Snymer. Produced by Dave Woodard and Paul Thomas. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.